Welcome to Women Who Startup Radio. This is the official Women Who Startup podcast, recorded right here in Denver at the tech studio inside the Cable Center. Season three is all about fundraising, and I'm officially coining this season as Show Us the Money. I'm your host, Lazelle Van Buren, the founder and CEO of Women Who Startup and Effectively Labs. Hey, everybody, this is Lizelle Van Viren, and you're listening to another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. Show us the money. So this is all about fundraising. Today, I have the pleasure to talk with our wonderful guest, Grace Lung Shing, and she's going to introduce herself to us and tell us all about her company. She is the co-founder and CEO of Startwise. She's going to tell us all about Startwise. Startwise is a crowdfunding platform that is focused on revenue sharing. So it's like a bit of a game changer. And I'm excited to learn from her. I'm excited to hear her story. Grace and I met about, uh, I would say early 2016 here in Boulder, Colorado. Well, I'm in Denver, but we met in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, she was going through the Merge Lane Accelerator. And so we got to know each other, tiny, teeny, wincy bit. Uh, since then, she's made a major pivot for Startwise, and she's going to tell us about that too. So we're going to dive in with Grace. We're going to get to hear her story. We're going to talk about fundraising, and we're going to talk about making a major pivot in your company. And um, also, she comes from a finance background, and you know the big shift that she had to make, you know, um, coming from you know salary and all that really fun stuff to uh, <laughs> no salary. Startup salary, which we all can love and share, is you know usually zero for a while until we figure out what the heck we're doing. Let's get into this with Grace. Kristen Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. Four years ago, I was living in London. I had a real job with a real paycheck. And all of a sudden, I learned about this type of business finance that they call factoring. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you could crowdfund that? And so we've been lending money for just under two years. We'd like to thank PDBI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pdbi.com. Grace, welcome to the show. Welcome to um, another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell me your full name, please, and then tell me what you do. Tell us about your company, your role, and then we're going to dive into a rapid fire. Sure. So my name is Grace Longshing. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Startwise. We are a crowdfunding platform under Title Free of a Jobs Act, which means we enable anyone to invest into private companies. Very cool. Very cool. I can't wait to dive into you explaining that a little bit more for our audience in case they have no idea what that world is about and what's a really exciting world. Um, Grace, before we go any further, it's such a pleasure to have you here. We're going to do a quick rapid fire with you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and these are short questions. So, you know, just rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you a question and just boom, give me that answer and I'll ask you the next one. And there's about six of them and then we'll dive into the interview. Good. Sure, sounds great. Awesome. All right, so tell me where you were born. So I was born in Mauritius on the southeast coast of Africa. 
awesome. I don't know many people who even know where Mauritius is because me being from South Africa, I know where Mauritius is. Like you cannot believe. Uh, so that's incredible. You were born in one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. Um, we'll, we'll go back to that. As a kid, what did you want to? What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I always a love of freedom, so I wanted to be a pilot. Oh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? So I have a strange habit of waking up before the alarm. Uh-huh. So I usually check the time. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, best daily ritual that you absolutely live by? So I love swimming or going to the gym. So I try to do it every day. Wonderful. Song that gets you through any crappy day. What's that song? <laughs> so I'm an island person, so it got to be Bob Marley, Sun is Shining. Ah, oh, it's truly one of my favorite songs. Oh my God. Truly. Crazy. I'm not even joking. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite brand right now? So it might be a stereotype, but it's actually the Apple. Apple? Because of the oh. Apple sports watch. Nice. Nice. Yep. I got one myself. Love the thing. It reminds uh-huh. me of too many things that I need to do. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Uh, best book you've recently read or listened to? I think it's got to be Tony Shea, Delivering Happiness. Yeah. It's a good one. It's yeah. it's kind of a game changer, right? Customer service at the peak of it all. Yeah. And, and super humorous. Yeah. He's a funny dude. Very, mm-hmm. very, very, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, final question for Rapid Fire. What is your life motto or mantra? What do you live by? (laughs) It may sound cheesy, but uh, I think that everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no. I think when we can embrace that, uh, life is a little bit easier. So I think that's solid. Thank you. Thank you, Grace. So that was Rapid Fire. Let's dive into this interview. Grace, you were born in Mauritius. You love reggae. You're the co-founder and CEO of Startwise. Tell us a little bit about this company, when you started it, why you started it, why it's needed. Tell us just a little bit about Startwise, would you? Sure. So Startwise comes back to my childhood. I actually come from a family of three generations of entrepreneurs. Mm. So... I've been in the startup roller coaster from day one, and I personally re- really never thought I would become an entrepreneur myself. Mm. I used to work as a stock trader, then in portfolio management, and most recently in venture capital. Mm-hmm. And it's actually while working in venture capital, but I saw so many companies that couldn't get access to funding. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of my childhood where you have customers, you have revenue, you have profit, but you can't get access to a bank loan Mm. and you can't grow your business. So then I was like, hey, that's crazy. Why is it this way? So then digging a bit deeper, we realized that 90% of revenue generating companies in the US cannot get access to capital. 90%? Yeah, 90%. It's not even idea stage. It's actually revenue generating businesses. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, me and my co-founder, that time she was my colleague, yeah. we just started talking about what are the other alternatives mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. 
and we found revenue sharing and we thought it's a great idea because a lot of companies, they don't have an exit strategy mm-hmm. or maybe they're never going to get acquired. Mm-hmm. So and we all us, know, and we all know that an exit strategy is critical to fundraising because mm-hmm. any professional investor out there that is not a uh, a newbie uh, is requiring a serious exit strategy. At least, not a serious exit strategy, but there has to be a clear exit strategy for them to to feel confident to invest in a in a startup. Isn't that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's how we decided to create Startwise. We don't focus on equity mm-hmm. and we focus more on the revenue sharing aspect. So tell us a bit about that. What what does that mean? So tell me the type of companies that you're serving, how you're how you're providing what you're providing to them and what they're gaining. Like what's the value? What's the process? I just want to st- make sure we get our, our heads wrapped around Startwise. So if I go to your platform, startwise.com or whatever it is, hopefully it is startwise.com, um, <laughs> you know, what is the experience? What is the outcome? What's the solution? You know, what do I get and who do I have to be? Like what kind of company do I have to be or just doesn't it matter? So right now we mainly focus on small, medium businesses. Mm-hmm. And what we found out is that companies that have been through Kickstarter and Indiegogo, mm-hmm. they really have a hard time gaining access to capital beyond Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Because maybe I supported your campaign and I got a free t-shirt, mm. but then I don't want to get a free t-shirt again, right? And maybe right. I want a share of a product, a share of a revenue, or something which is more financial. Right. So what we focus on is not idea stage companies, but companies with one or two years in operation, mm-hmm. but have at least $100,000 in revenue. Mm-hmm. And what is the most compelling aspect of Startwise is really that the company can build their customer loyalty. Mm. But for example, if I invested in, for example, women for women who start up, mm-hmm. maybe you guys have a clothing line. I'm definitely going to buy your clothes for my family, for my friends. And it's more like I feel a greater sense of connection. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And the, the kind of a whole idea for us was to convert your customers into your investors. Right. Because if I'm already buying your products and I'm already supporting your company, it's very likely that I would want to invest. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a natural uh, idea, evolution. Like, uh, I think a lot of backers in the crowdfunding space um, are very curious. Like, okay, well, beyond the 20 bucks that I can give you that gives me a sticker or the 50 bucks that gives me a t-shirt and a sticker, you know, what if I gave you 200 bucks and... I got some revenue share out of that. That's what you're building at Startwise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So how does that work? Um, uh, so small to medium-sized businesses who are accelerating coming out of these crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, go to your platform, sign up, and do you have like a pretty serious approval process? Like, you know, you said you got to have 100, 100K at least in revenue. Um, are that pretty, is that pretty much the requirements or are you pretty strict about your pool of uh, companies? So based on the legislation, we have to be pretty strict. So we verify that the company, uh, the owners mm-hmm. didn't have any bad actor verification, which okay. means that 
they didn't file for bankruptcy or didn't involve in money laundering or any of those types of situations. Yep. Then we also verify that the company is a good fit for revenue sharing. Mm-hmm. And other type of companies could be service companies like coffee shops or restaurants. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes we see that they can open a first location, but then it's really hard for them to get enough cash flow to expand to a new location. Yeah. Interesting. It's kind of a yeah. bridge financing. Yeah. Very cool. So, so tell us uh, how long has Startwise been in operations? How long have you been um, climbing this mountain, if you will? Um, how big is your team? Tell me a bit about Startwise and where you are at with what you're building. So I think that, uh, I think when we met, it was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, tw- so. t- 2016. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you were here in Colorado and you were walking through an accelerator program called Mers Lane. Exactly. So when we first started the company, it was actually in December 2015. Mm-hmm. We got accepted into Merch Lane. We moved to Boulder, mm-hmm. which was funny. <laughs> and we tried to go through the intrastate crowdfunding. Because they had a rule that allowed uh, Colorado State companies to fundraise from their residents. Okay. So we built a platform, we built companies, we built an investor pipeline, but then we couldn't uh, we couldn't launch because we couldn't find a bank that would be able to process a, a large number of small payments. Mm. So we were stuck. So we spent like six months after that debating what we should do. And since there was no way that the legislation in Colorado would actually change, Mm -hmm. we decided to go for the Jobs Act. Mm. So then it required us to start all over from scratch in October. So the law made you have to pivot. Yeah, the law was really tough. It was really really intense. Like fintech is, financial technology is really intense. <laughs> it's about as it's about as tough as health tech because both is just law, regulation, and legal yeah. red, you know, red, red tape. Yeah. We don't so, have FDA, but we have FINRA. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so October 2016, you're making a major pivot. It sounds like, yes? Yes. Wow. So you're starting again. I mean, you're not all, you're never really starting again again because you have you have people, you have some type of an idea, you've got, you know, resource, but y- you're you're literally sounds like re-strategizing what what you're going to be. Yeah, it was really like a kind of a second birth, I think. But yeah. It was really a great learning experience uh, moving to Colorado, hmm. but then there was no way we could launch. So it was almost like, do we really believe in the idea? Do we really want to go forward? Or right. do we find a nine-to-five job? Right, right. And at this point, had you raised angel money prior to going into the accelerator or did you go out of the accelerator and started to raise money and then learned, um, uh-oh, we have a lot of red tape that we just can't get through? So, so when we f- went to Boulder, we really bootstrapped, me and my co-founder, Catherine. Nice, nice. We really bootstrapped thinking that we would be able to make it. 
And yeah. so we invested a lot of our savings into the software, into the compliance, into legal. Wow. And then at the end of the demo day, we realized that we couldn't launch. And so we had to start from scratch. How hard, then, how hard was that? Demo days are supposed to be one of the most exciting days in our little startup careers. And I say little with like, you know, fingers in the air, like I'm kidding, because it's a big deal. You just worked three months to get your ass prepared for a demo day. And you're telling me that you literally, you were, did you walk on stage knowing like, oh shit. Yeah, so wow. it was like, Two weeks before the demo day, we knew that we couldn't secure a bank, that the laws were too strict, but we had to do something different. So, And that's okay. Was, like, yeah, the, that's a part of the game, right? Yeah, it was okay. But I think that for me, it was, I don't know, it was kind of a big failure because I think that mm -hmm. I come from a very financy background. And, and you're like, how did, how did I not see this coming? Exactly. Is mm. that you do A, B, C, D, mm -hmm. and the result should come out to something, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> it did, didn't it? It was not the result that you wanted. <laughs> See, that's the that's the crazy nature of life, right? Like, it doesn't matter how good we are at math. Sometimes we just cannot seem to be prepared for those unknowns, mm -hmm. and that's really, really that can be daunting. So, how? I mean, uh, entrepreneur to an un, another entrepreneur, like. How did, what did you do? How did you deal with that? I mean, did you get the hell out of Colorado and you were like, I need a break? <laughs> so actually the, the two directors of the accelerator sat me and my co-founder Catherine down and they're like, hey, what do you girls want to do? Do you want to continue working together? And our response was like, yeah, of course we want to continue working together. So we just powered through that episode of Startwise. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So that was then, that was like, uh, when was that? That was early, that was spring 2016. Yeah, that was beginning of April yeah, 2016. Exactly. And so, and you said, so then that leads you to a major pivot come October 2016. So what did you do over that summer that got you to then really re-strategize. I mean, obviously you went back to the drawing board. Obviously you went and studied your ass off on the rules, the regulations, the law, the jobs act, you know, you, you name it. Um, uh, and you had to reinvigorate a new business model. Am I right? Yeah. And it was really, really hard because we did talk to a number of investors and they were like, Hey, we are not going to fund your legal expenses. Right. Because going for title three of a jobs act, which is the crowdfunding regulation, mm -hmm. is really expensive. Because mm. even the license, I think it costs like ten thousand dollars without the legal fees. Okay. So then we really had to start uh, asking around for investors, and then we finally got our angel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Was unexpected. Actually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. good. Good. I mean, I always say there's an investor for everybody. It just it just means how long can you hang in there to keep pitching, to keep asking, to keep connecting, to keep asking for references and referrals and introductions. But that's exhausting. It's it's mm -hmm. it's it's an extreme amount of work. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that what you it's, or or sometimes people are just like, boom, and it just hits them like day one. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. not true for everybody. But uh, it sounds like 
you you really you you had to work. You had to work your ass off to make that happen. It was actually really unexpected because it actually happened the one day before demo day. Oh, but the, <laughs> but, the <laughs> but the investor was like, "Hey, I'm really interested. I know what you guys are doing, and he he's been a really great guy. Like, no question asked." So let's let's explore that for a little bit. There is a lot to be said about finding an investor that gets it. It being whatever it is us as startup founders are working on. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You you were you were present enough, you were visible enough, you were walking through this accelerator, you 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 showed up, you know, to make sure that you could pitch startwise and start building out your, you know, your investor network. And you happen to find one person that could literally be like, yeah, I, I get I get where you're going. You're going to have one hell of a time building what you're building, but I get it. And what, he was he your first uh, angel investor? So we really had really good angel investors and we already had ugly angel investors. So mm. our first angel investor was actually... Well, we didn't take money from him, but it was in January, I think, 2016 or December 2015. Mm -hmm. And we've been negotiating terms with him for quite some time. Mm. And when we were just about to sign the contract and we had already spent like $5,000 in legal fees, Mm. he's like, no, I want a board seat. Oh, boy. And I'm like... How does that work? I have never heard anyone give somebody else a board seat for, let's say, $50,000 and it's at the seat stage. Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's rather aggressive. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite happen. It happens with a, a lot of newbies but on both sides of the table. Um, I'm sure it does happen, but yeah, it shouldn't happen. So yeah, we were like, there is no way we can give you a board seat because if we start giving board seat to a first investor, then when we do have board meetings, we would rather have a like a big feast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's rough. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's challenging. Like uh, when we're learning as entrepreneurs, there's investors on the other side of the table that are learning and you know, we're all kind of meeting in the middle here. And uh, some of us know what we're doing. Uh, You know, some of all of us are learning as we're doing. Um, Some of us have mentorship. Some of us has, you know, solid advisory. And uh, hopefully you took that kind of to your trusted, uh, you know, advisors or, you know, your co-founder and stuff like that. And you were like, well, this doesn't make quite, this doesn't quite make sense, does it? (laughs) Yeah. And, And you'd be right. Like, yeah, it didn't quite make sense. But it's kind of like tempting because money stays money, right? Because a startup that has raised money is always better than a startup that has not raised money. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature <laughs> of the beast. Um, so mm-hmm. when you're on empty, you know, you're, you're well, you're on empty. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem for startups is, is they run out of cash. Mm-hmm. I would also say not every investor can be measured the same. And, um, I don't know. So what was your decision? So did you pass, did you pass on that or did you, did you bring them on board? Oh my God, we were like, hell no. Cause I think that <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a really good thing. Cause we did not take any money from him. We like, uh, we would rather have somebody 
the right type of investor. Yeah. So we didn't take his money uh, over down the line when we had to change direction because yeah. of the laws. We're like, hey, seems like maybe we didn't make such a good choice. We should have taken his money and at least we would have been able to pay for our legal expenses. Mm, I don't know. Re- regrets are like, uh, it's like t- tapping water that doesn't exist, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. but the good thing about it is that uh, six months afterwards, which is like three months ago, we had to go through FINRA, the Financial Regulatory Authority, and they asked us about our investors. Uh-huh. And our bet was like, if we had taken this guy as our investor, there's a high chance that we like he wouldn't have passed the requirements that FINRA was asking. You see, every dark cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. Hey, let's give a big thank you to the following sponsor. Maria Popo is the founder and CEO of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. Hi, I'm Maria Popo. I'm founder of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. MediaAmp at TCC is a co-working and innovation center on a beautiful Cable Center campus right next to the University of Denver. You can learn more about MediaAmp at the Cable Center at MediaAmpTCC.com. Yeah, I mean, you can't doubt yourself. Like you're moving so fast in, in startup mm-hmm. land, in 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 figuring out uh, three thousand different pitch decks and having hundreds of conversations with different types of investors, and they want your due diligence and da 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 da. Like you have to, at some point, you have to have a serious gut check, and and you gotta mm-hmm. know. You, I mean, at some mm-hmm. point with experience, you gotta know. You gotta know this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. And and you know who knows? Like uh, a lot of times. Um, we can find ourselves in positions where we feel like, oh my God, well, without this cash, you know, we're in, we're in serious trouble. Um, and I think a lot of our advisors would sit us down in that very moment and say, if that's the case, then we need to consider a whole lot of other things. Like, are we building the right thing? Do we have the right timing? Do we have the right pitch? Do we have the right, you know, is the market answering? (laughs) Are we validated? So we get our asses handed to us in that regard. And that's a very good thing too. So it sounds like you made a really good decision. Um, and it, that's a part of, that's a part of the game. Like it came, t- it came full circle. So that's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm glad it was not regrettable and it's okay. Like it's okay if we make mistakes and it's okay if we come back to investors that didn't make sense earlier on and we say, Hey, now is a better time for you. Like there's different types of investors for different phases of the, the startup you know, journey. And that's okay too. Like there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, you building a company and them wanting to invest in you. Timing is, timing has got to be pretty good. Uh, The, the amount of cash has to be pretty good. The term sheet has to make sense. It has to be mutually beneficial. Right. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all going to make sense. And and that's, that's hard work, man. It's full-time job. Yeah, it almost feels like it's a huge experiment because nobody has the right answers at the end. That's right. It's it's, like, I mean, it's alive. Like, there's no one way. There's no one way. Like, every everyone has a way and you get unlucky and you get lucky and you make some good choices and you make some terrible choices and we learn. 
I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can put a hundred people, you know, through the same, uh, even investor network. And even they may have somewhat of a difference in experiences, right? Because I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's alive and living and, and it's all about the founders and their relationship one with the market, two with investors, you know, three with, you know, their teams. And yeah, I mean, it's like, there's no one way, but there's a lot of ways that we can help each other um, uh, by making sure like, you know, you got to have your due diligence ready for, uh, for, for, for investment money. You got to have your legalities in a row. You, you need to have a team, you know, like all those things we can pretty much replicate and talk about, you know, pre-startup, startup launch, you know, fundraising. Um, but when it comes to, I think when it comes to in individual startups, like you're going to have your own experiences based on who you're talking to, who you're pitching, how are you going mm-hmm. about this? Those kinds of things. Okay. Well, so that's, that's crazy. So October 2016, you're kind of completely pivoted as a new company. Now you're zoned in on a revenue sharing crowdfunding platform, you know, still called still called Startwise, which is great because it's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense, you know, Startwise, <laughs> like be wise about how you, you know, get kicked off. So good branding. Um, no, it's a, it's a, we have a funny joke, mm-hmm. you know, like it's always start with a why, like, why are you doing something? Um, and you, it's always start with a why, like start wise. Start wise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Inside joke, right? Yeah. Inside joke. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So October, 2016, you change. What is cooking now? How are you doing? Um, uh, you know, are you raising more money? Are you getting ready to raise more money? How are you thinking about the ecosystem of fundraising to support Startwise's kind of uh, next iteration, which could be like, uh, have you done a new full-blown launch? Are you planning a big launch? Like what's your trajectory now? (laughs) So I think for me and Startwise, it's really expect the unexpected. So we applied for the uh, funding portal license since last year. Mm. Uh, We had like five, six extension from FINRA. Wow. So we were supposed to get a final decision by 28th of January. Mm-hmm. And now we extended it to 31st of May. Wow. Well, such a long journey. So yeah. we expect to get the license and then to fundraise because our situation is a bit different because as soon as we get the license, we believe that the valuation would be higher. Mm-hmm. as compared to not having the license. But it's also like, how do you time getting the license and mm. going for launch? That's always the chicken and the egg, right? Get money, yeah. wait to get money. Get money, wait to get money. Valuation, higher, lower. Oh, God. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's such a moving target. So what are you what are you going to do? Are you going to wait? Because one of the biggest problems that we face is a lot of people are like, hey, can you get the license or can't you get the license? Mm. So our biggest decision was really to wait it out and then even we f- we have to deliver launch mm-hmm. we would rather have a license get a better fundraising terms and then prepare for launch but launch should be in a month or two so Wonderful. fingers crossed yeah <laughs> so how big is your team now so i got myself my co-founder Catherine. Mm-hmm. she's the ceo chief operation officer wonderful we we've got a cto avi wonderful We've got a product person, Maduka, mm-hmm. and we got a marketing person. Wonderful. 
that's a solid team. You got, you know, you got code covered. You got, you know, marketing covered. You got operations covered. That's that's great. Now you just need to get the damn market covered. And, <laughs> and <laughs> you'll the damn be off, license. And the damn <laughs> license and you'll be off to the races. You know, no mm-hmm. big deal, right? No, <laughs> just a small thing that you need to check off. And this is, mm-hmm. and this is unique. This is unique because uh, I could start all sorts of businesses today that didn't require any type of like licenses or, you know, like some serious red tape, but also it's a certification of sorts that says, you know, you are prepared to do in the market what you say you can do. And so it's kind of supposed to be hard. And I know that sounds tough, but business is hard. And so if you can, if you can, so I guess a question would be better. Are you, are you hanging in there? And are you planning one heck of a launch because you have somewhat a tiny bit of a waiting game in place because rules and regulations, like some things you just have to wait on. Um, But that also grants you a ton of time to get your go-to-market strategy really, really, you know, good and prepared, really polished. That also makes your technology, your platform, your code, the application, your product, like you have time. You, you may not want that time, but you, you are now in a situation where you have time because, you know, you have this red tape that's telling you to wait in that waiting time. Are you, are you doubling down on all those things I just touched on? Yeah, because it's so funny that you said that because uh, since we've been delayed, it has been really great. We managed to really refine the product, the software, and we learned so much because mm-hmm. I think when uh, FINRA uh, like allowed a few portals to operate, mm-hmm. then they had so many issues with a number of portals and they had to become much more stringent mm-hmm. with the process, with their rules. Mm-hmm. So then when we applied and we came in, they were like, oh no, you can't do this, you can't do that, mm. your process is not good. So we mm. had to kind of change a lot of the things underneath the platform. but. In the meantime, we really also managed to get one of the best escrow providers in the country. Okay. Which was a great thing because before we were not using maybe the best, but right. through the delay, we managed to get one of the best. So hmm. it was a good climbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me a bit. So you're based in, in San Francisco right now, correct? Exactly. And so t- talk to me, because I mean, you spent a little bit of time here in Colorado, specifically in Boulder, Colorado. You know, um, you know, I, I spend more of my time here in Denver, but I'm between Denver and Boulder all the time. And, you know, San Francisco, it's San Francisco, you, you know. Um, tell me about, like, building your company out there. Uh, are you having an easier time? Is it a tougher time? It doesn't matter. Would it matter if, if you were there or living under a rock? Is it... Is your problem that difficult because of, you know, this 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 level of red tape you have from, you know, getting certified and getting licenses and, and stuff like that? Um, or would you say, yeah, that's red tape, but being in San Francisco grants you X, Y, and Z. Like being where you are in the world, do you find yourself in the best possible environment to start this company or or not? So I think that uh, going back to Boulder, we had a great experience at MergeLane. We managed to find some really great companies through their network. 
and as well as investors, which means that we got both the best of Boulder and the best of San Francisco mm-hmm. since we did spend some time. But we also think that maybe one of our target market would actually be LA because mm-hmm. they have a lot of consumer product companies. Yeah. Like fashion, food, restaurants and all that stuff. So yeah. this is potentially where we'd be looking to maybe in the future set up an office or maybe move to a beach. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Go to Venice <laughs> Beach, you know, go mm-hmm. go move in next to Snapchat, right? Um, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe too expensive. Maybe too expensive. Yeah, Venice Beach is definitely peaking now because of mm-hmm. that. Um, well, so that's interesting. Colorado has a huge makers, you know, community. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. LA, you know, you've got a huge kind of uh, um, food, you know, like the restaurant industry. You've got a lot of um, manufacturing, like product making. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Boulder is like the mecca of, you know, food and beverage manufacturing, especially, uh, you know, you're seeing women now launching companies left and right successfully. But you, you see them everywhere. You know, you, mm-hmm. you see them in San Francisco, you see them there. Well, so that's exciting. So for you, um, it was important to branch out from where you're headquartered so that you do expand on your network. So one of the interesting things that women who start up that I try to make sure that I get into the heads of founders, especially first-time founders, it's like, it's critical to expand your network and having kind of a national network, like knowing what I can go branch into in Austin and Seattle and San Francisco and Denver and Boulder and New York City, you know, et cetera. It, it's, it's really important because, you know, that network of yours is sometimes, all the time, make or break. Make or break. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the really exciting things that, you know, we're we're getting pumped to launch Women Who Startup Global, which launches here in June, which connects uh, women from every corner uh, of their entrepreneurial journeys and wherever in the world they are so that they can, you know, connect those dots from a network capacity. And then it's all about rapid acceleration. It's all about, you know, uh, I've never I've never seen a term sheet before. Can somebody give me a heads up on what a term sheet looks like and where I can find one? You know, boom, and a, another entrepreneur can say, hey, look at this, look at that, blah, blah, blah. But so I want to get back to uh, your entrepreneurial uh, journey. So Startwise is, is your first company, correct? Uh, kind of. Kind of? Kind of not. Okay. So, but it was back in Africa. So I used to own a... I was in a partnership for a stock trading company before. Okay. And then it got acquired, but it was not a great acquisition, not by Silicon Valley standard. But but great experience. Yes, learned a lot. It was very different because I think yeah. that uh, it was already structured. Mm. So you already knew what to do. But I see. At, at Startwise, you don't know what to do and you don't know what's going to happen. So. It's a bit different story. Yeah, it's a whole new, you know, experience. Whole it's a game. whole new, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a whole new learning experience. Um, when did you move to the U.S.? Like, I've been here 20 years. Like, how long have you been here? <laughs> so, okay, so I have a pretty interesting story. So, uh, I think you might have guessed, but my accent is actually a bit of uh, French and a bit of British. Yeah, definitely so, got the French. <laughs> <laughs> so, my first language is actually French. But then I also have a British passport. So I did my undergrad in the UK. Okay, wonderful. And then I went back home, worked for a couple of years, and then moved to San Fran- uh, to Georgia State, where I did uh-huh. my MBA. It was an international MBA. 
where I travel Brazil, France, and China. Mm-hmm. And then I got a job at a venture fund here in San Mateo, not far from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I met my co-founder. And that's Wonderful. how we got started. Wonderful. Wonderful. So it's been three years now. Three years in the U.S.? Getting on four, I think. I need wow. to celebrate that. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Um, uh, cool. So you haven't been here very long. I mean, I've been here forever. Like, I've been here since I was like 16 years old. I mean, I've been all over, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a different animal. But what a wonderful thing. Like, I think... As we all know, immigrants, you know, they build amazing companies. Let's just put it out there. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, uh, I want to I wanna touch on a couple more things uh, before we start wrapping up. And uh, I touched on this uh, a few minutes ago, which is like, you know, is this your first company? Is this your second company? Blah, blah, blah. Talk to me about now that you know some things that you know, how different would you build a company if you had to start it all over? First thing tomorrow, you know, like, would you be like, well, I mean, I have to walk through all these steps and, you know, everything is new and fresh and, uh, or would you, or do you literally feel like, whoa, now I would do, I would do a hundred things differently. And what would that be? I personally don't think I would do anything differently because I think that despite all the challenges that we've been through the past two years, it was a great, great learning experience. Like it was maybe even worth more than my MBA or my undergrad because mm-hmm. it was like you're in the thick of it. There is no way of getting out, and it's really like you learn a lot about yourself, and it's a lot of personal growth. I love that you're touching on that. I always talk about how I believe entrepreneurship is a very spiritual journey. Personal growth is is foolishly slapping you in the face every damn day. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Like, I think I think most people, especially those that, you know, don't start companies, don't realize that it's a very, um, it's, a, it's a very, it like taps you to every core, like intellectually, emotionally, um, you know, it, 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 it touches on pretty much everything uh, a human being can touch on because it it stretches you to every corner of uh, um, either it's going to make you or break you or some somewhere in between, which is most of us where we just learn a profound amount about not just what we're building, but about what we're capable of. What, what has been, what has been the most uh, intriguing part of that self-discovery during building Startwise? Did you, did you, <laughs> Have you surprised yourself by, damn, I didn't think I could actually make it through that, but but I did. Does that happen yeah. often? Yeah, I think that for me, it was really like, because I'm very uh, perfectionist because I come from a finance background. So I'm always used to work by the numbers, work by the numbers. And for start-wise, like, hey, you can put your best foot forward, but there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with that. And it's like a great sense of, how you say, like letting go. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like super hard to kind of really uh, go through that process because I think that a lot of us, we are used to work nine to five and you expect a salary at the end of the month. (laughs) But in a startup, you can work nine to the next day and you don't know what's going to show up. And nobody cares. Isn't that the most... (laughs) 
Is that the most alienating part of it all? Nobody cares how hard you work. Nobody cares. I mean, they yep. care when you start making money. They care when you start doing things well. They care when you're revenue positive, when you're starting to showcase some net profit. But the funny thing is, like, the market doesn't care and people don't care how hard we work. So mm-hmm. what are we left with with that kind of astonishing bit of, uh, bit of awareness? Well, you're not doing it for for anyone else. You're doing it because you're kind of obsessed with solving that problem. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I would totally agree because I think that through the whole process, you tend to be like not to care so much about the material thing because mm. I think what you realize is that money comes, money goes. But in the end, it's how are you willing to go forward? Like, do you have a drive? Do you have a residence to continue? And I think that me and my co-founder, what we always try to do is try to joke a lot about the situation, like try to laugh a lot because at the end of the day, nobody knows what's going to happen. We can make it, we can break it, but at least we had fun. Yeah. I think that's vital. I think that's vital in life. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. like, and it's, I think, especially crucial for, for startup founders. Early stage. Yeah. Early stage. <laughs> the early stage. Cause it's daunting and it's really, really, it can really crush your spirit if, if you don't have uh, a sense of lightheartedness. And, and I want to touch on the fact that, you know, you, you keep referencing like my co-founder and I, my co-founder and I, and it, it it matters that you know that you're not climbing this mountain by yourself. Like how much has it mattered that you have a co-founder that you trust? If you do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my co-founder has been great because I think that the whole uh, Boulder experience have been really tough on us. And then having to go to start from scratch was like a life learning experience. Yeah. But I think it's really great to have somebody who is like worse than married because yeah. her husband is like, oh, your your wife is calling you. Or your work wife. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of funny. Yeah. But it's really kind of like very synergistic because now like when we go to meetings, sometimes we don't even have to talk, but we understand each other. Nice. It's really creepy. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I, I mean, you, you start to get to know how people think, function, uh, solve problems. And, and that's the beauty of, of great team formation. Literally, mm-hmm. like what you just talked about is what I think a lot of people uh, miss out. They miss it and they would pay millions of dollars to, to get it. Um, and mm-hmm. I think when you can find that. Um, so that leads me to a question. What's the most important thing to you from a co-founder? I mean, I know for me, it's trust. Like I, I find that I can work on anything that's hard if I can trust you, if I can trust. Mm-hmm. And, and when trust means like, I know you're not going to uh, do this for, I know you're going to do this for the right reasons. And I can trust you. Like I trust that you can show up, that you can work hard, that you've got my back, I've got yours, you know, that kind of thing. But like, what, what's your like, you know, ABC or one, two, three, like what, what do you look for in a co-founder? 
I definitely think that trust is definitely number one because, like, if you don't trust the other person, it makes it hard to work together. Yeah. Because you're always like, hey, is she in it or not in it? Like, is she working or not working? Yeah. But when you have trust, it's like, we both know, like, hey, that's what we want to do and we're ready to do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Being second thing is really uh, hardworking because... Mm-hmm. Like when you know, like a co-founder relationship, you want to know that I'm giving 120%. Right. And I wouldn't feel right if, let's say, my co-founder was giving herself like 10%. No, of course. Yeah. Then the third thing is, I think, a great sense of humor because I think that what I realized during the past two years is that the startup really changed me because I think before I was very, oh, very focused on myself, very driven, very money-oriented. And then it kind of changed the whole dynamics. Really? Tell me more about that. Like, I mean, we just touched on, I mean, this is, this is personal discovery, <laughs> like, like nobody's business. But tell me what you discovered. I mean, the whole money thing, that's, that's interesting because you come from a finance background. Money was everything, right? Money was everything. Yeah, I think that uh, since I was also working in the venture world where yeah. we've seen people with... Uh, Sorry for the language, but shit tons of money. Yeah. And they were buying Teslas, they were flying private jets, they were spending on all kind of stuff that they don't really need. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, maybe money's the end game. But when you think about it, it's like, hey, you can have all the money in the world, but are you doing something that you really want and you really believe in? Mm. And for me, it was like, yeah, I could get all the money in the world, but would I be truly happy? Would would it be meaningful? Mm -hmm. Because I always tell my co-founder, in the end, when we die, we don't take anything with us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whether I have a Tesla or I have a a (laughs) boat, a yacht or a house in Tahoe or not, I don't bring it with me. So why not make the best of what we have right now? And hell, if... if if you can enjoy some of those sideline luxuries, that's fine too, but that's mm-hmm. not the end. That's not the, uh, that's not everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's exactly. never everything. No, I mean, I think um, it's wonderful actually to hear that your entrepreneurial journey exposed that for you. Cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of people never experience that epiphany. Like, oh my God, you know, I went to school and then I went to school some more and I got, I got my undergrad and then I got my master's and I got my PhD and nothing wrong with that. We need a lot of those brilliant people (laughs) in the world to, you know, cure cancer and all those kinds of things. Um, And and not to be facetious, you know, education is critical. And and I think you and I already agree on that. So um, for our listeners who are questioning that, we love educated people. We're pretty educated (laughs) already. Uh, But um, again, like building a company is very, very interesting when it comes to self-discovery in in that notion of I'm going to be tried and tested from the moment I wake up in the morning till the moment I finally figure out how to go to sleep and mm-hmm. and figure out how to go to sleep peacefully and be um, to feel good about what I achieved today and the fact that I gave it everything I got and that tomorrow is another day if, if I'm fortunate and uh, um, money is not everything. It, you know, the interesting thing is, is Entrepreneurship means that you're building beyond yourself. And Mm -hmm. for the investment community, 
They want to bet on horses with great exit strategies so that they can get a return on their investment and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we're human beings, right? And exactly. we and we we get our asses handed to us all day. <laughs> Founders don't listen and blah blah bloody blah. And you're all right, like investors, you're all fucking right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we're human, and we are. Some of us are obsessed with the problems that we're trying to solve. And if we could only convince more of the right people faster to bet on us when we are that obsessed. So that it doesn't, you know, fall through the cracks or a competitor comes and swipes our swipes us just because they were located in a community that just had a shit ton more cash. You know, Mm -hmm. I hope we get to the point where everyone can innovate and everyone has an opportunity and and we have a little more democracy around um, opportunity for innovation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, definitely, because I think funding is very crucial for early stage startups. Oh, and it's I so, think, yeah. But through the insanity process of always asking for money and expecting a different answer, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think at some point we we do lose our shit, and um, <laughs> we have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at the same time, um, we really need to surround ourselves with with people in our corner. Because one of the most daunting things I think is if you're on that trajectory of raising money and we do get a million no's and and like a few yeses, um, I think if we have the wrong people in our corner, we're really going to have a tough time. And I love that Mm -hmm. you said, you know, your co-founder or the team that you're surrounded with, like having a sense of humor about stuff because it's going to be, there's going to be really long days and it's going to be really shitty days. And there's going to be days everybody's just downright in tears. Um, and then there's going to be great days, like big celebrations and all that and everything in between. But at the end of the day, like, phew, yeah, I think you have your priorities right. So <laughs> with that said, <laughs> knowing that your heart's in the right place and uh, I actually think the market's ready for, you know, what you're building. You just, you know, you just need an opportunity to put your foot on the gas and go, 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 go. And uh, so that you can get in front of these companies that could benefit from what you are providing, you know, revenue sharing opportunities so that they can gain capital so that they can uh, accelerate their businesses. You know, Um, that's a win, 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 win kind of a scenario. Um, Mm -hmm. So as we're talking, it's May 2017. You're planning on launching Startwise, hopefully in the next couple of months. So when I see you or talk to you again, you know, before hopefully the fall 2017, um, you should be cooking with gas or not. And, and, and you'll, you'll keep me posted, but I really hope that you are. And I hope you get that damn license. Yeah. I'm just praying fingers crossed, uh, with a license. Excellent. Um, okay. Uh, two final questions and the top most important five things. Someone in our audience today is is listening to our conversation and they're about to set out to go and run up this unthinkable mountain that they've never done before. And it's launching their startup or taking their idea and trying to figure out, is there a company or a business model there? And um, and they're, they're figuring out money from day one because that's just the world we live in now. Like the moment we have an idea, we're like, oh shit, how do we fund this thing? So- what would you say is the top most important things that you could share to especially first-time entrepreneurs and even, even those serial entrepreneurs that, you know, could use a refresher from your perspective, from your learnings and your experience? 
What are the, what are a few things? Doesn't have to be five, but what are those few things that you would say, hey, if you're setting out to build anything right now, if you're taking any idea to validation to market um, and figuring out your business model and figuring out funding, you know, what would you suggest? Are some of those core things that you would never let out? You know. <laughs> I think for me it would be definitely prepare for insanity because <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of no's, but like, can you keep on going each time mm-hmm. and expecting a different outcome? Because I think it's really hard, and that's why a lot of companies they fail because mm-hmm. they get a few no's and then they doubt and then they close a sh- close shop. Right, and then I would definitely say expect the unexpected. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times the people that we don't think are investors are actually great investors or like so many scenarios that you couldn't possibly think of. And then definitely get the right investors because if you get the right investors that believe in the idea that is backing you 100%, then it's not going to be somebody on your back saying, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? So it's more like a partnership kind of then. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one last thing would be not to compromise your values. Because mm. I think as a founder, so many times we get people saying, hey, you should be doing A, you should be doing B or whatever they project on you. Yeah. But then you really have to like keep yourself truth. Like, would I be happy if a company was doing A? If you know, then maybe that's not what I should be doing. Mm. Yeah, very strong points. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And our takeaway. So at Women Who Startup, I have this slogan and motto that I kind of live by, which is keep climbing. And with that, I'd like to preface, like, I think there is a multitude of opportunities for us entrepreneurs to remind ourselves to just stop, like just to stop, take a breath, take in the view, see where we are. And then, you know, if it makes sense to, to keep climbing. But uh, for the show and, and in general, for us telling the stories of female entrepreneurs, like the woman who started motto and slogan is, is keep climbing. What it continues to inspire you to keep climbing, to keep going after, you know, making Startwise a success other than our innate ego as awesome entrepreneurs. <laughs> no, but truly, uh, what inspires you to keep climbing? <laughs> I think it's a few things. First of all, I think it's like really my parents because I think uh, we come from like three generation of entrepreneurs and I've seen them work really hard. And thanks to them, I was able to afford a great education, afford a lot of stuff that maybe I wouldn't have been able to. Mm. And looking back at them, is they were very courageous, very resilient and very hardworking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if they could have achieved what they have achieved, like I have to achieve a bit more than they did. And then maybe for me, like why I want to keep climbing is I think that as an entrepreneur, you always want to get better. And it's funny because each time I go to the pool, I usually go with my friend. And I always get this weird thing in my head. I'm like, hey, what if you swim without your arms? What if (laughs) you swim without your legs? What if you go one uh, straight 
swimming across the pool without breathing. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, how can I improve? Like, what are my limits? Yeah. Well, well said. Very, very powerful. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Grace, it has been a pleasure to talk with you today on Women Who Startup Radio. Um, we want to make sure our listeners know to learn more about Startwise. Uh, I believe startwise.com. Uh, you are pretty active on social media, I believe. Um, you yourself are on Twitter and LinkedIn, you name it. Um, Startwise is on uh, Twitter at Startwise Inc. Um, so if anyone wants to listen uh, or check out Startwise, which I highly recommend, uh, check out startwise.com. Any other parting words, my friend, uh, from the from the land of the land of entrepreneurship? Um, and then I'll 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 give you some parting words. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it was a great experience to be on the podcast, and I really hope that whatever advice I gave was truly going to help somebody else out there. And please sign up to Startwise, and hope to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Well, it was our pleasure. Thank you, Grace. Good luck to Startwise, um, but you know we don't. It doesn't take luck. We create our own luck. So keep working your butts off. Uh, we believe in you, and I cannot wait to uh, learn more as uh, things unfold in 2017. Grace, thank you. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. To learn more about Women Who Startup, please visit womenwhostartup.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel inspired to share it everywhere and to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Take care of yourselves, my friend, and as always, keep climbing. <laughs>